Good evening. As we enjoy the delicacy and elegance of Sir Ludwig van Beethoven's Fifth Symphony in C minor, we welcome you to the podcast. As always, my name is Juan, here with Mark Mm. and Kevin. Bonjour. And we like movies. On this episode, we are reviewing the 2022 film Tar, written and directed by Todd Field and starring Kate Blanchett, Noemi Merlant, Nina Haas, and Sophie Cower. This was Kevin's pick. Let me give you the IMDb synopsis. <laughs> so, welcome. Uh, again, so yeah, Tar is the movie, and here is the synopsis. Having achieved an enviable career few could even dream of, renowned conductor-slash-composer Lydia Tarr, the first female principal music director of the Berlin Philharmonic, is at the top of her game. As a conductor, Lydia not only orchestrates, she manipulates. As a trailblazer, the passionate virtuoso leads the way in the male-dominated classical music industry. Moreover, Lydia prepares for the release of her memoir while juggling work and family. She is also willing to take up one of her most significant challenges, a live recording of Gustav Mahler's Symphony No. 5. However, forces that even the imperious maestro can control slowly chip away at Lydia's elaborate facade, revealing the genius's dirty secrets and the insidious corrosive nature of power. What if life knocks Lydia off her pedestal? Tar was released on October 28th, 2022 by Focus Features and Universal Pictures. It was produced by Standard Film Company and I don't know if this is MJAG or EMJAG. I guess it's MJAG. MJAG Productions. It has a runtime of two hours and 38 minutes. It had a budget of $35 million and has grossed around $22 million worldwide, at least at the time that I did this research. It uh, sits at a 91% fresh score with critics and a 74% score with the audience. Kevin, this was your selection. Uh, Give us your thoughts and tell us why you chose this film. Yeah, um, I chose this film because I didn't know anything about it except she played a composer, and it was just getting a lot of hype around award time. And I literally just wanted to see what the performance was, why people were raving about it. And I think the one thing that pushed me to see is, is I read one, I saw one article, one headline that said, "Thank God, you know, the tar hype will finally end after award season." I was like, "Well, I just want to see what it's all about." So that's why I picked it and. Overall, I, I thought it was a really great performance um, by Kate Blanchett, and I thought the I thought overall the movie though was a little bit of a letdown. 
So I can see that the story itself didn't do her performance any favors. And that was my quick thoughts about it. What about you, Mark? My yeah, this was the most pretentious Oscar bait movie in the world. I was severely bored by all of it. Um, I did not care what was happening, but I think it was more because I was lost. This is a movie that if you're not a composer, if you're not in the orchestra, you're not going to know what they're talking about because they use a lot of jargon. And I'm just like, yo, I don't I, I don't know what she's saying and I don't know if that's supposed to be important, but it just it it, it, it felt like an Oscar movie and. You know, you know how we get the those movies that come out that are just for the Oscars, and this is this was one of them, but it, it was incredibly boring, and I don't know why anyone would be interested in this. Obviously, Kate Blanchett does well in everything she does, so we don't need to discuss that part. Um, everything else. All right, I've got my hand near my gun, ready to draw, <laughs> and def- defend this movie. To the death. Oh, uh, I've got oh I've got a lot God. to say. I got a just lot. Just pass to me say. the gun. I'll take myself out. Uh, all I want to say is just buckle up because I got a lot on this one. But I, I am glad that you brought up the jargon because um, I don't remember the last time I watched a movie where um, there were so many words that I did not know the meaning <laughs> right. of and had never even heard of. Um, but um, I really enjoyed this film. Um, it felt uh, dreadfully slow starting out, but by the final cut to black, I understood that every scene, every shot, and almost every detail was essential um, and perfectly calculated in the economy of this film. Kate uh, Blanchett gave a triumphant mic drop of a performance in which she played piano, conducted symphonies, spoke several languages, had incredible physicality, acted her balls off, wore the crap out of those pantsuits, and made everyone question if the Oscars got it wrong by awarding Michelle Yao instead. Um, Essentially, this film is the ultimate poster child for the Me Too movement, and I'm not even the least bit mad at it uh, because it did it tactfully as opposed to being heavy-handed and it presented a story that allows you to draw your own conclusions as you uncover the layers and the subcontext without the holier-than-thou high and mighty virtue signaling that has become so commonplace today so there's tons to unpack here um and i also something that i i want to uh shed some light on is that I do feel like this movie is one of the most misunderstood movies um, that I've seen recently. And so um, I, I believe that I have the key that unlocks this enigma. Um, and so I hope that uh, my peers and my podcast mates included, along with everyone who listens to this podcast, will... Uh, obtain a greater understanding of uh, what's happening in this film and what Todd Field um, has done in writing this character and writing this story. Um, at least from stuff that I've heard or have read, um, I, I, I don't think I've, I, I haven't come across any, any, anyone that um, um, 
that has explained it this way. Um, I'm sure there are other people who who uncovered it too. I just yeah. haven't come across I haven't come across it, but uh, but but yeah, I think that my um, keen uh, analytical eye was able to to pick up on something here, um, and that's what I'll say for now. Well, I feel like at this point you got to let us in because I mean, me and Kevin are about to stop mud all over this movie's couch, bro. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, I don't. It was, it's, I, I don't, I, I just, there was never a point where I was invested in the movie. I just, I didn't care what was happening. Um, yeah. I, I didn't mind uh, that the Me Too thing. Like, I, I, I feel like that's why it didn't bother me because it, it was done well. Um, but it still, it wasn't enough to make me go, Oh man. Okay. Now I see what's happening. I, I see what's, what's going on. Um, so yeah, man, I think you're going to have to just jump into it. Well, let's, uh, let's, before we get into it, let's, um, um, give a little bit more background about the film, um, so in, in case no one's watched it. So what actually happens, and I guess, you know, you, uh, if you're interested in a near three-hour movie about a composer, um, then I would hope you've watched this already. And if not, you're probably not going to watch it. But we'll, we'll still give our spoiler warning that if you want to go and watch this, uh, maybe pause the podcast, watch it, and come back. But um, I don't not, know. It's It sounds like it's best if they listen first and then go into it because okay. I, I think that – Unless like unless I'm about to like fall back in my chair, like having spontaneous like spasms because you just blew my mind so hard, I'm never watching this movie again. <laughs> okay. So right. it's All it's right. best it's best if they listen okay. first. This is a this is a new one for us, a new All territory right. here. Um all right, yeah. So again, she's this famous composer and eventually what happens is that um uh, you know, we find out that she's got this ex-lover that she spurned, spurned, um, who is, you know, really down in the dumps uh, and and uh, is kind of also, we think, maybe stalking her. Um, and as we as the story goes on and we discover more about who Lydia Tarr is, you know, we see she's kind of sketchy. She's really got some characteristics that we don't like and. She really might be doing this girl Krista uh, really dirty. The girl mm -hmm. ends up ends up killing herself, and now you know um, uh, lawyers and whatnot start knocking. You know, saying like, "Hey, what's going on? What were your interactions with her?" and and so her life sort of starts to unravel um, because of uh, the way in which she. Um, has taken advantage of individuals around her, has manipulated people, has exploited people uh, in her position of power um, until it really just completely everything unravels and she ends up so far from from the uh, peak of the mountain where she was at. Um, so that's kind Turns of... to eat, pray, love. <laughs> dude, her ass got canceled. That's, <laughs> that's all I could say. Um, but okay, so that's kind of the arc of the story. So as I go into this, I will tell you, I, I have a lot written down. There are many words 
on my page here. Well, so, hopefully, unlike Tar, I, hopefully I'm, I understand most of them for you. Well, and not only understand, but please interject or ask questions or whatever at any point. Um, oh, for sure. But if, or, but if you like what you hear, you know, again, there's plenty, plenty here. So starting off, um, it seems like there are competing interpretations of what this movie is about. Of course, on the surface, the story goes that Lydia Tarr is one of the most famous conductors in the world, conducting the most famous orchestra in the world, which is in Berlin. She's at the height of her career, publishing her autobiography, which is condescendingly titled Tar on Tar, which is a stroke of ingenious innuendo as it reveals and foreshadows the transgressions that will come to plague the protagonist because Tar is stained. Mm. and um uh getting to set the record uh one of the getting to set set to record excuse me getting set to record one of the most difficult compositions out there which we mentioned in the opening uh it is then revealed that lydia has a stalker a mysterious spurned lover who we never meet but who she might have been in a throuple form of entanglement along with her current assistant francesca while being married to Sharon, uh, the ex-lover, question mark, um, as the film intentionally leaves many mysteries unresolved, ends up killing herself, a fact about which Lydia appears to be cruelly indifferent. But as details emerge, we learn through undeleted emails that Lydia had Krista blacklisted, so she mm-hmm. could not land a job with any other orchestra. It's then believed that this might be evidence of a pattern with Lydia, who seems to have used her power, prestige, and position to manipulate individuals and circumstances to her advantage and to her appetites. We see her do this with Olga, her new celloist, and Sebastian, the celloist and band assistant that is older and suddenly dispensable. And although there is some nuance seeing as how Olga clearly is a really good musician and perhaps even the better musician, the vastly more talented celloist, but she's also attractive. And Lydia appears to have more than just making music in mind. Oh, they making music. All right. (laughs) (laughs) The, um, The story continues to unfold and also weaves in some of Lydia's paranoia, guilt, confusion, and manipulation through some strange and inexplicable happenings. Random alarms, free willed metronomes, a woman screaming in the distance, and a missing newspaper, to name a few here's where we really get into it so to me the writer director todd field gives us many clues about the secret to this movie and that secret is that the female character of lydia tar is really a stand-in for any powerful male who has and is committing such atrocities violations and injustices on the less fortunate around them Mm -hmm. the harvey the harvey weinstein types but really it's not that she's really a standing it's that i think it's it's almost like um a shakespearean device you know where he was in shakespeare days you know like all the all the female parts had to be played by males yeah so it was a male playing a female part in this Kate blanchett is playing a male part like she's she's a male um is she's 
you know, kind of portrayed as a lesbian and like a, a butch, you know, type of lesbian. Mm-hmm. But it's just a facade. Like she really is just playing a male. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people miss that. Um, again, it's very subtle. And you could argue that Lydia is just a masculine lesbian, but it's much deeper than that. Um, it's demonstrated um, as she is in a position where she is called maestro, which is a masculine word, but used as a unisex term for a conductor. And she even talks about this at the beginning, right? Which again, mm-hmm. throws you off, but it's a subtle sign. Um, she only wears tailored pants suits. She never wears a skirt. She never wears a dress. Her hair is only either down or in a ponytail, much how like a man with long hair might wear his, you know, unless he is a, um, um, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, wearing it in a bun like a uh, I can't man, man bun. bun yeah man bun yeah um she goes on a jordan jordan peterson-esque rant in a classroom against fe- feminism critical theory victim mentality modern sensibilities belittling and berating her student in a way devoid of empathy or sensitivity even though her arguments are pretty spot on by the way <laughs> um throughout the movie Right. The director shows us several times that names can have different meanings. Right. He plays with Krista Taylor and she writes out at risk, you know, using her um, lead, the letters of her name. Tar on tar. We later see it as rat on rat. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we even find out that Lydia's real name is actually Linda, which is is in Spanish is the feminine form of the word pretty. Um, she obviously sleeps with women, with women, is unemotional and treats women as possessions and objects. She refers to herself as Petra's father and demonstrates protective and defensive instincts. Um, and lastly, there's the heavy and prominent use of mirrors throughout the movie through which we see Lydia constantly Um, We see her through these mirrors, which is a reminder from the director that there's a different angle from which to view this character. Um, So ultimately, I think this makes the message of the movie even stronger, because by doing this and by sort of playing, you know, with gender and all these hints and and kind of leaving it very ambiguous, where you could argue that she truly is a lesbian, um, although I'm making the argument that the character is actually just a female actress playing a male. Mm-hmm. Um, that um, for me, this was this was genius, and it makes again that Me Too type of point even stronger, because by doing so, you remove gender altogether from the equation and merely state that these types of transgressions stretch beyond the limits of gender and require analysis in a broader sense. Um, As in, you know, it's just wrong to use power to manipulate people, um, to exploit uh, for your own gains of whatever. It doesn't matter if it's a man doing it to women or a woman doing it to women or a woman doing it to, to, um, to men. It just, you know, his whole thing is about just power you know, and how, right. and how it corrupts. And, and so I think doing it that way brings more the actual deeper, um, the actual issue to the forefront as opposed to, you know, making it more about just where society is today or gender and whatnot. 
So when this movie was released, some reviewers noted that many of the details of Lydia Tarr's biography match those of a real-life conductor named Marin Alsop. Both mm-hmm. female conductors in a profession in which they are nearly the only women. Both are out lesbians, also partnered with another musician. Both were professionally mentored by Leonard Bernstein, although in, in the case of Tar, who's a fictional character, um, it's unclear if that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, Tar briefly mentions Alsop in a line of dialogue in the at the beginning when she's being interviewed by the New Yorker. Um, but this lady, Alsop, she wasn't consulted. And in a January 2023 interview with the London Times, she expressed her strong dislike of the movie in which she says, quote, so many superficial aspects of Tar seem to align with my own personal life. But once I saw it, I was no longer concerned. I was offended. I was offended as a woman. I was offended as a conductor. I was offended. I was offended as a lesbian. To have an opportunity to portray a woman in that role and to make her an abuser, for me, that was heartbreaking. I think all women and all feminists should be bothered by that kind of depiction. There are so many men actual documented men this film could have been based on but instead it puts a woman in that role but it gives her all the attributes of those men that mm-hmm. feel, that feels anti-woman to assume that women will either behave identically to men or become hysterical crazy insane is to perpetuate something we've already seen on film so many times before close quote see this is how i think most people have perceived the movie or at least the large majority of people. And I think that it's egregiously incorrect. Now, we can look at Taz Field's response, which I think is very interesting. So he was played or read this this quote to him mm-hmm. when, when him and Kate Blanchett were being interviewed on uh, Fresh Air um, on NPR. Um, and the host, Terry Gross, oh, she read him the statement and asked him for his reaction. And this is what he said. He said, it's an incredible statement and I appreciate it. I think that it's a really important conversation to have. It's part of why we made the film. And people, some people were bound to be offended. I mean, in terms of Marin Alsop, she's a storied trailblazer. She is, she was a first of a very, very still tiny subset of female conductors. As she says, any relationship to her is superficial. Um, and I'm in the masquerade business, so um, I'm not. He says, I wasn't interested. I, this is the, the most important part of the quote. He says, I wasn't interested in making a public service announcement about the evils of bad conductors or people abusing power in the classical music sphere. This is about a character, and it's about the corrupting force of nature. And, you know, unfor- unfortunately, I firmly believe that whoever holds power it's going to corrupt them. It's just an unfortunate fact. We're part animal. You know, sometimes the animal takes over our better angels. So we've spoken to many female conductors at the top of their game that love the film, and they love the film because of the conversations that it inspires. And yeah, I don't know what to say. I could pick apart what she said, but that's hardly the point, and it's really not my place to do that. Um, close quote. So again, I, I, I could go on further, but yeah, 
what are what are your thoughts? Does, does that make sense? Did, did I, can, I, I, I see that? what you're saying. As you were talking and, and bringing up the female in a male role, I kind of started closing my eyes and, and rethinking some scenes. And I mean, yeah, I can I can totally see that. And um, I can see that being possibly being the case. We don't know if that's confirmed or not. Unless it was, or you're no, you're just you're you're just you're thinking this, right? I mean, are you saying that? Are you saying that my 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 critique is not valid? That... Not that it's not valid. It's yours of other people it's... have shared it. No, no, I know he said it was he was the first, but uh, I wasn't sure if this was like maybe somewhere it, it got confirmed. But anyway, no. no, I'm not. I'm not saying it's. Um, I just even even putting putting my mind into that in that frame it's still i don't know it's it still kind of just felt like a lackluster movie um i i really think i got torn up on the um on the jargon um because just so let me let me talk about one pivotal scene that that made me kind of just go yeah i have no yeah. idea what's going on anymore so towards the end when she's having her her, her meltdown and um she she storms in on um, Elliot, who's composing, and like pushes him off, and he falls to the ground. And he's like, "No, you don't understand." So, what was that? Her she was she was that the wrong day? Like, was she there on the wrong day, or was she not supposed to be there yet? Like, I didn't understand that. What what when he said, "No, you don't understand," and that was it. And then he went back to his seat. Um. So was was he taking over for her? Was she there on the wrong day? Was she? Uh, and it sounded like she was doing drugs in the bathroom, or was she just gathering herself eight mile style? I, I don't know. Um, but it, it was just confusing that whole scene. And then at the end, when um, ah, what's the guy with the long hair? The the one that she was talking to about Sebastian, how she's gonna get rid of him. She yeah. went to his house. He he draws a. I don't know if it's a lowercase T. I don't know if it's a cross or if he just couldn't do an X correctly. Like I didn't understand what that meant when he wrote that. Now, obviously I know that they have these score sheets and so everyone's scoring the, the, the conductor, but it didn't allude to anything about what that was supposed to mean. Like, is that a, a demerit? Is that, I don't know. So that whole scene, it after that I was just like I don't know what's happening anymore, and I I I guess I don't know like thinking about that scene I can't I don't know maybe a man a man could do that I guess yeah absolutely but um, just putting a man in that position I don't know I I, I still feel like it it'd be weird I I don't know it that that scene really bothered me because I I didn't know what anything was supposed to be. Was that the Mahler comp- uh, composition day? Yeah. Were they that they were conducting that day? Um, yeah. Okay, so then why was why was he up there? Why was Elliot? Because up there? at this point, like she had already been ousted. Yeah, so, and they were already, they were already set to record on that day. Yeah, like the recording was still going on, but it was like it it, it wasn't possible to do it with her at that point. So it was like, all right, you're out. Who's next? So they brought Elliot in to try to do it. And yeah, she was she was on drugs throughout the whole movie. First of all, because she was stealing her wife's uh, prescriptions. Um, oh yeah, then, well, it was a heart thing, right? She uh, said, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it was flutters. To, I mean, they I was, didn't mention it, what it was, right? 
is probably um like a like a form of like tranquilizer like a, a what do you call it a um like a like a downer yeah a downer something like that um there's lexapro bro that's what they use for anxiety but that's not really it's not that like lexapro isn't that big of a deal you know so yeah if she stole her prescription that's all she was taking yeah i could see that um but they only like they only showed that once in that scene where her wife said oh i i can't find my medication and you know i'm having those flutters again and um she went around the corner, pulled it out, and gave it to her. But that was it. Like that, like we don't see her doing that again until the bathroom. But again, it's not shown. Yeah, it's just you're just supposed to perceive. Well, is that what's happening? Um, so I mean, it sounded like she did a line of coke, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I, I heard the, you yeah. know. Uh, but again, I wasn't sure if she was trying to psych herself up like Eminem. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah, and I think that was part of that was definitely um deliberate you know because they show her dressed nice and yeah like she's psyching herself up which yeah you would do if you were about to play one of the hardest you know symphonies and record it and like your whole career depended on it and they did that throughout the whole movie like that that's oh, the beginning so, before so, the interview yeah, it was was so brilliant about it it's like there was always um a different angle and he was always switching it up and ma- leading you to think one thing but it was really another so yeah it w- it kind of actually reminded me of whiplash if you've seen whiplash mm-hmm. where like he oh, shows yeah. up at the end and he's just he just crashes the party storms in and just plays that solo yeah. and like steals a show like it was similar in in like that's what she was trying to do she's like i don't care i'm going up there i'm playing this you know i'm in my tuxedo um <laughs> and and it shows you like her mindset like she still thinks she's untouchable you know like i could just step it like or she was just so delirious and out of it at that point yeah. that re- reality really wasn't registering <clears throat> And so it was. Uh, it was. Yeah, I mean, like a, a break, her breaking point at that at that instant in that instance. Like what I saw, I thought it was more like a jealous lover because she's like, "You're not gonna, play, you're not gonna get famous on my my thing." Because they were playing her composition of it. Yeah, and I think that's why she's like, "You're not." And then that's he's like, "You don't understand." I think he was he wasn't trying to get credit for it, but he was trying to perform it so hey, people could see what she did. But to her, it was just like, "You're you're playing my music, my composition." And you're just trying to make a name for yourself off of me. And she just had all this like anger and it was like blinding, almost like jealousy. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Or you could also look at it from the angle of like, again, just that statement. I don't really remember that line, but, um, but yeah, if he said, you don't understand. Yeah. When she kicked him uh, or punched him, whatever, he was like, no, you don't understand. And she just got back up and gathered herself. And then it went to him. Like, you know, slinking between the, the other members and, and getting back to his seat. Uh, his hair like was covering his face. So, um, but yeah, I remember that when he, when he said, you don't understand. And I said, you're right. I don't understand. What tell me, what am I supposed yeah. to understand? Um, and then I, I'm telling you when he drew that, when he picked up the pencil and, and wrote that T or square or not square uh, cross or whatever it was supposed to be. I just kind of chuckled, said, man, I, I got to go and become a composer so I can learn everything that's happening in this movie and, and better understand it. Um, because there's just – and I guess maybe that's the point of it. We're only supposed to focus on the the abuse side of it. Like this is a, a person in power and 
And I don't think Krista was stalking. I think it was just like, oh, no, she right. wanted more. And yeah. she's like, no, I'm done. And then excommunicated her and blacklisted her, which, you know, caused her to commit suicide because nobody wanted to work with her. Um, so, yeah, it just uh, I just I, I, I felt I felt lost. And uh, and I maybe I, I shouldn't have focused on the. The, the composer side of it and I should have just focused on that. I did enjoy that first scene where she was at the college doing that that class and um, I'm, I really feel like that's how it is in schools now. And that kid was like, I'm a BIPOC blah 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 and he started listing off all these things that he is and I, I got wide-eyed like, man, am I supposed to remember all this? <laughs> like, <laughs> if, 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 I, if this guy was in my class and if I say something, all of a sudden now he's offended because I, I don't remember. Like, that's a lot. It was a lot. Everything he mentioned, I just – and I remember the, the BIPOC was the, the person of color thing. Yeah. I'm like, I, you know, we're, we're trying to break down these walls, but then you're reminding me that you're a person of color. Well, okay, but you do you want me to see in color? Do you not want me to see in color, you know? So th- that whole BIPOC thing, it was kind of funny to me. But I really did enjoy the way that guy was acting. I have never seen – someone portray a nervous tick with the leg shaking yeah like anyone else because i was just like dude i feel like that's real right there (laughs) like the way he was doing it it was it was it was perfect so like i i felt that he he was upset and he was you know being offended at the time but um uh, huh he he created great tension with just the way he was acting and responding right right and uh, so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. And then when she put his hand on, I was like, uh-oh. But I, I kind of find it funny that um, people were recording from the moment she walked in. Like, who does that? They had they had 15 different angles of the whole, uh, the whole um, interaction. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, starting from the beginning, like, who's recording that much? I, you know. Well, I think some of that was Francesca. Oh, trying to get it, get back at her? Well, no, because this was in the beginning, um, so she wasn't trying to get back at her yet. But oh, just trying to record for her. Yeah, like because like, you remember the opening. You? Yeah, like the opening shot is um, Francesca, which bro, I didn't even know you could do this uh, in 2023. Man, what a time to be alive! But that you could FaceTime and and chat through that video. Do you you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. Dude, I, I that blew me away. I was yeah. like, "What?" So, so, so that was Francesca then. That was that had the phone on her. In which scene? In the beginning, where? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was, like that, was Fran, that was Francesca talking yeah. to Krista. Oh, was it? Yeah. She said S was with him, not me. So yeah. And I then, didn't know what that meant. <laughs> and then um, later on in the classroom, like I just think Francesca was up in the back row and because she just is a person that's alive today you know and she's just always recording and 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 especially because she's someone that's always with this major celebrity so she's just like always recording her and because she's in love with her too yeah Yeah. that would have been one angle there was like three angles from the the, yeah i was like yeah yeah like they worked together or whatever to like piece that piece that yeah. and edit edit that they, she was trying to get some footage for a, a netflix documentary about her life i will say when, they, when she was doing her response to that guy to the bipod guy 
Yeah. I remember thinking, like, I don't see how they got this movie made the way she was talking to him <laughs> in Hollywood. And I, I remember thinking, it's a stroke of genius that they made her a female lesbian. Yeah. So she could actually say that remark. Because if that was a white cis male or whatever, like, that was not getting made. Hey, hey, that's... Maybe that's why they casted a woman. Because they're like, right. yo, with everything you got here, this is loaded, bro. We can't put it. We, we can't have a Kevin Spacey up there. That ain't yeah, going to work. Just, you can say whatever you want because she is. Not only is she a woman, she's a lesbian. And... <laughs> right. Right. And um, which, again, is just genius. It's like brilliant. And um, it, uh, there's another clue even that's not even in the movie. It's just it's a production thing. But like he wrote this part for Kate Blanchett. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he knew what he wanted and he, what he was trying to do. And he said, who's an actress that could pull this off? And it's freaking Kate Blanchett. I mean, I, I don't. I, I was trying to think what other actresses today could really like pull that off. And there's really not that many, you know. And again, it's even so subtle and like so nuanced that most people didn't even pick up on it, you know. And and I feel like, but I feel like they left so many breadcrumbs. And even still, like you could argue, and that's what's so interesting about it. So if you look at it again, that it, that. Um, story arc with the the celloist right with the russian mm-hmm. who was so funny when she was eating that food uh, like <laughs> the things she was saying and the way she was eating it but like on the one hand you're like oh of course like she's beautiful you know so tar is just like hitting on her and wanting to um you know elevate her you know to maybe sleep with her but then it's like she's also really freaking good. So mm-hmm. it's also the best decision for the orchestra. Right. You know? right. So it for me, like I it kept me kind of on the fence going back and forth, like, okay, is she really is she trying to hook up with her? Is she, you know, it it, it was like just so she was able to like kind of I think weave those things again to manipulate and and keep pushing that forward you know then she they were like meeting one-on-one for their lessons and like you know eventually it probably would have gotten to the point where she made her move you know it just never it just never got to that point but it it gave you enough of the other angle where it's like okay well she's also really good the other guy probably is aging out so it seemed but but then again, then she has the audition and she allows her to audition. The other girl that was that that was like the first chair that should have been the one gets yeah. burned. That's how That's, the power came into play, though. Right. Like instead of doing things the right way and just giving it to first chair, which is how it, it works. Uh, they made that very clear. She's like, yeah, you know, what? let's do some auditions. And the girl was just like taken back by like, wow. That's not how it works, you know, and that's that that's that's a case of her using her power to get what she wants. Because at that point now she knows that not only is she good looking, but she really good with her fingers, too. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah. Rosie O'Donnell, that's who could play this part as well. (laughs) It just dawned on me. I can imagine it. (laughs) Sorry. Um, oh, I'm not. Be- I'm not joking. Yeah, I'm being serious as a heart attack. Huh. No, nah, I thought like maybe Meryl Streep, you know, might be, but but I can't Meryl take her as a lesbian though. You know, she's yeah, exactly. Like it still wouldn't have been like Kate Blanchett was just was just perfect, and I think she also just perfectly again understood 
what Todd Field was trying to achieve, you know, through yeah. the character. And I'm telling you, man, if you go back and watch it, it's like it, 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 it plays out perfectly. Even in a scene, there's a scene where like the celloist plays with the band the first time mm-hmm. and Tar's conducting. And it's even just like certain looks that she gives her, like a smirk. Oh, that yeah, she was flirting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like a I mean, of course, women and lesbians and you know, whoever like flirts too. But again, it, it it's all those details, you know, combined, um, that I think in my in my mind at least solidify my argument for what this movie does. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. The uh so the scene that she drops Olga off at her place and uh she left the toy in the car and she gets out and is trying to find her in this rundown building and uh you know she's hearing the thing, she's hearing the dog, uh she gets spooked and she falls and she hits her head. I don't understand why she wouldn't just tell Olga the truth when Olga asked her, like, where did you hurt yourself? Like, I don't understand why she still felt the need to lie. Because all she was doing was trying to return a toy back to this girl. But I think um, I think she, again, this I don't know. This is mere speculation. But, you know, Olga had told her that she was staying with a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, I think it shows, like, that that was a lie. Because she's really living in that, in that she's homeless. Right. And she's living in that broken down uh building or bro, whatever that, was, that, was, that that place was hit by a bomb bro i don't know yeah, yeah. Really so i think that um i think that was her maybe like not wanting to humiliate her or not wanting her to know like look i, I know you're lying and like you're actually homeless you know and so not <laughs> wanting to like kind of put her out like that um, so kind yeah, of like right. sa- saved her some of the humiliation, you know, of yeah. being like, well, I actually followed you into that concrete mess, you know, <laughs> to see where you're living. Cause, cause obviously she was embarrassed about it if she was lying about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Did she invite her up? She didn't invite her up, right? No, nah, I don't no. think, no, nah, she didn't right, invite okay. her up. No. Right, yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. I just, I thought that was such a strange choice. Like, obviously you're going to lie to your wife. You're going to lie to you know, the public, but when it was just her and Olga, I thought she was going to like, but maybe that's, that's the whole point. She didn't really care that much about her to let her know what she was trying to do. Cause she was just doing things that as a man doing things that would get you into them pants, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Retur- Oh, well, since I'm here and I've returned your toy, I would like a reward. Yeah. <laughs> but but not in this hot mess of a place. <laughs> Because I didn't get that that home either. Because you're saying like maybe she's homeless, but her uncle was some big time conductor also, and she came from a family of money. And uh, she did, she never looked dirty. That, that could be a lie. Home. We don't know. No, but her instrument looked well kept, even when she well, had with her. She, well, she's Russian. I mean, um, so no, I mean now now she's in Germany. So you know how, and she's young. So. You know, if she's again a starving artist, she's like, "All right, well, I got my instrument and I got you know two pairs of of jeans and whatever, and I'm just gonna and go a can and of baked beans. yeah, and like live on the street and and try to if I if I get into this orchestra, then I'm set, you know? Because yeah. remember, she she like got 
fame or not famous, but she got like sort like sort of some recognition recognition just because she had um, put a video up on someone recorded her playing a ch- her cello. Yeah, um, and knocked everybody's socks off. So, yeah, who knows? I mean, she could have been lying about about her her uncle or whoever, and all those details. What if what if she didn't want Tara to know where she really lives, so she wanted her to? <laughs> that is possible. That then she'd be a very smart woman. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, and she's like, you know what? I don't trust this lady just yet. Yeah. So let me. Hey, yeah, that block over there with all the rundown buildings—that's where I live. Well. <laughs> That would lead uh, to credence to Juan's theory because if a woman was being dropped by off by a guy, it's like, yeah, drop me off at this building, and then you walk a block home. Yeah, especially yeah. if you feel like they're they're talking to you for one thing and one thing only. You yeah. know, she must have been hauling butt with that cello though. There's nowhere <laughs> to be found. Yeah, for real. Um, Threw it on her back and ran. But or 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 she could have also lied because maybe. She just didn't want it to get back to Sharon, you know. Yeah. So, like, if you, if Olga knows, then you know she could become embittered if she doesn't get a part, or she could hold that over her head. So it's like it's just easier to lie to everyone. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. Tar probably didn't want to. She didn't want to give her any leverage. Right. Exactly. Can't blackmail blackmail me. I'm only blackmail you. Yeah. Um, Which so is let what me, those guys normally do Like they make sure that their hands right. are clean <laughs> So let me close my thought out With this um, That in actuality The era of Me Too Which were I guess kind of in the post Me Too era I, I heard right. um, But it gave him a brilliant setting And background But the movie you know, again, because what he's actually arguing and, and wanting to display is just a, a film and a story and a character that displays the fractured human condition, you know, and really it's about this society that we are in and that we've created, right, with skewed morals and values that actually provide the ecosystem where abusive creatures like tar are created and they can be men they can be women because we've elevated fame and celebrity to the level of some among us being given the status of like lowercase g gods who eventually think that they could and should act this way because they're untouchable right when you got epstein and you got weinstein um and it's easy for us to point a finger and blame them but the truth is that first and foremost power corrupts all um and most importantly that again it's us the audience the public society that have has bestowed power on these individuals through our materialism, our vanity, and our insatiable hunger for consumption. And so ultimately, every story that we as humans tell, a couple interesting books or one interesting book, and I have another one that I haven't read, but it's a book that argues that, you know, every film or every story um, it can't help but reflect, you know, the biblical arc of fall creation, redemption, and restoration. Mm-hmm. And so Tar, like most movies, is showcasing another example of the condition of human depravity, which stems from the fall and from original sin. But again, 
field does this brilliantly by asking the questions that we need to take to heart and and asking ourselves and not of those around us in a judgmental way because as Lydia says in one of the you know along with that jargon like you said Mark and those you know words that we didn't know or understand there were a lot of really amazing lines um uh, in this in this film including this one where where it says that it is always the question that involves the listener it's never the answer and so actually what a great artist and what great works of art must do is to ask the questions and to invite the audience to explore that and to Mm -hmm. look at everything uh, ourselves, society, our values, our actions, and our souls, and to think hard um, on our on our condition, yeah. and and that and that's why I thought this was a really great movie. Fair enough. I I will say there was so that scene going back to the the class scene with that guy. Um, I I don't remember his name unfortunately. <clears throat> um, she was basically talking about how artists create things and. While at the end of the day, they're a bad person, they do bad things, they still created this work of art, and we should appreciate that. And for a second, I was just like, you know, we should. And then I immediately thought about R. Kelly, and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I can't listen to his music anymore. Like, no, I, no, that's not happening. Or like... Um, Dude, you're going to tell me, if, uh, you're, if you're in your car, and the you know you're you're blasting a radio station and ignition <laughs> ignition remix comes on you well, immediately gonna no. shut it off no you know why because i'm automatically gonna go to the Chappelle show version of it and oh. this is the remix <laughs> to the song about pissing i'll never i'll never like on the this is the remix edition to the song about pissing uh i'll never like I'll, that's always been tainted for me. Ignition was such a great song, but once all that came out and Chappelle show did what he did, like, yeah, no, that song's been forever tainted. I will always go to that and into those sketches. Yeah. Um, but like with Kevin Spacey, I, I, I'll never, I'll never watch. I've been, I've been dying to watch seven, but I, I, I just can't, you know, I can't do it. And um, house of cards, man, that was great. Until you know he did what he did, he ended up getting pulled off the show. Like those things, I just I can't go back to watching it. I don't know if maybe I think it's because that I know that these people had this power because they have this celebrity status, you know, and people are worshiping them because of who they are, and so they're they're using that and exploiting people. Like I I I don't I don't like when people in power do that, you know, and yeah. so knowing that that was the case and, and, and everything that happened was because of the platform he was on. It's just like, yeah, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to cater to that. Like Chris Brown too. I don't, I don't even, anytime anything comes up with him, I'm like, yep, changing. I'm good. Um, so I thought that I thought what she was saying was very interesting, but it makes sense because here she is, you know, someone who is using and abusing her power while making great music and, and, and great art. And we're supposed to just, you know, over, overlook everything that she's done and just appreciate her music because of that, you know, what she's achieved. Yeah. Well, sounds like you won't be watching any Ma- Jonathan Majors movies. Uh, Bro, 
I was I love that guy, man. Like, huh? I think she retracted her uh, statement. Who's she? Uh, the one who was accusing him of strangulation and all that. Uh, I don't know, man. I that's been less than twenty four hours, so I doubt that it's cleared up. That I mean, I think I saw Army dropped him from the, they had a, a recruitment ads with him, and they they dropped all those ads. So I I feel like it doesn't matter. It's gonna get dropped down, uh, or he's gonna get semi canceled. Um, I really think it's going to be tough for Marvel to like keep him around. Anyways, we're, we're getting off track, but yeah, no, yeah. I don't, I, 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 unless it's like proven that it, this is the case, like, and, and he's in jail or whatever, then I'm, I'm going to hold back on yeah. watching his stuff. <laughs> uh, because I, I really enjoyed him as an actor. Um, well, a few people have come out on Twitter and have basically been like, yep. Well, uh, we've been saying this for years, or like yeah, we've, I saw we've, two directors that yeah, him bro, movies. yeah. There's different people that have come out and been like, "Yep, this guy's been a problem." Yeah, um, he's a sociopath. I was just like, yeah. "Holy!" Smoke. But like, how how do you hide it that well? Like my first thought was because uh, I, I don't know if you've seen like a lot of a lot. I, I think um, this uh, YouTuber, uh, more plates, more dates, mm-hmm. and um, and other people have been coming out like talking about like the pervasive like steroid use by like all these guys basically you know that get ripped in three to four months for these roles yeah um so my first thought was like if i mean it it doesn't surprise me because this guy's probably on steroids especially if you look at how he looks in normal life compared to how he looked in Rocky three. I mean, in Creed, in Creed three, like that dude is definitely on steroids. No, I saw a picture where he looked all skinny and gangly. He was like wearing a a brown jacket Yeah, and he looked like he looked probably about 20 something. And then seeing him in Creed, I was like, yeah, Holy smokes that, that dude. So I, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, but yeah, you know that's that's what Hollywood requires of these people. So I understand that they're doing what they're doing just so they can do their job and get paid. You know, <clears throat> not that it's right, but um, yeah. I I understand it. And then if you got someone who's already got issues mentally and you're adding in steroids, I mean, that's yeah. just that that that's a recipe for disaster. Just just a little side note for our steroid uh, crowd out there. It's actually, it's actually the testosterone you take with the steroids that start bringing out that rage. Oh, okay. Right. Kevin doesn't want to get roid raged on. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to please all the audience out there. Um, Somebody's going to come and go, Kevin, you're cool. Juan, Mark, you're dead. <laughs> well, so hopefully we're wrong. Or, or, yeah, hopefully his allegations are false. retracted and false and whatever. But it's not looking good. Anyway, yeah. I have so another, I have an, an, another detail here that again uh furthers my hypothesis mm-hmm. um and it's the relationship between lydia or linda um and uh their daughter or stepdaughter mm-hmm. i don't know they didn't really explain what the situation there was i was it sharon's daughter from like a previous marriage or did they adopt her together like it was weird it seemed like she was more like maybe Sharon's biological daughter, but she was closer to Lydia. Again, another detail that they didn't answer. Yeah. But Sharon says 
that the only relationship in Lydia's mm-hmm. life that is not transactional is her relationship with Petra. Yeah. And throughout the film, as we observe their relationship, we kind of get the sense like, yeah, that, that seems to be true. And yet we see that um, Petra or Lydia. Uh, so again, I have to imagine that even if, even if she was, or even if we just take take it on the surface, like she's just, um, you know, a, a, a lesbian. Um, I don't know if butch is the proper word or manly or whatever, but she's definitely like the man in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but, but I would have to imagine that even as a woman, like you still have, and, and I think that's what they were trying to show, like some form of a maternal instinct. Mm-hmm. that she would have right or uh, some some form of a, a sense of a maternal affection for her which again they show us at times but then in the way that she easily leaves petra and everyone else behind right after she's canceled whoa no 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 you don't remember when she went to the school yeah. to pick her up she went to pick her up and Sharon wouldn't let her. Yeah, and she's but... like, no, please don't do this. I don't think she gave up Petra easily. I guess my question is, would a mother give up at all? Yeah. Well. I mean, a father? Well, <laughs> well okay. I'll let you go ahead. I can't. I can't. But um, all I can say is, well. Right. There's exceptions point taken, to everything. Point taken. <laughs> No, but I anyway, know. I guess the just the fact that she um, that displays more a higher sense of self-preservation and survival, you know, by again restarting her career in the Philippines, playing a, an anime score for a bunch of cosplayers at the end of the movie, then like being like, you know, like that, like if it was Sharon, it, it feels like Sharon would have been like, no, like I'm. I'm wherever my daughter's going to be, you know, like fathers are more the ones that are like, all right, I got to bolt and, and, and do whatever I need to do. You know, um, speaking, speaking from personal experience. I, I think it's so funny that her rock bottom was playing an anime concert. Say, that, that's when it felt like a Hollywood movie because, oh, look, you're performing for these type of people. That means you're <laughs> I was like, uh. well, I, it wasn't. Uh, they're all their cosplay. Oh, I don't man. think it was a it was a uh, a you know um, a dig at the cosplayers. I think no, it was no, no, the, no, no. The contrast of not only not only was it cosplayers, it was like in the freaking Philippines. Yeah, that's where I felt like it became a little Epre Love, like <laughs> <laughs> dude. But I, I, the... <clears throat> by the way, they had just played a little bit more. Like she she like was killing the Mario theme song or something. The the most hilarious thing about this movie is that Alec Baldwin is in it. That was yeah, that came out of left field. Oh my god, this this must have been before all the rush happened. (laughs) Yeah, before he shot someone or two people. (laughs) The killer. In this movie, there was two careers that were canceled. Dude, how about um I, I wrote this down, right? The song that she performed on the accordion, it was amazing. <laughs> the lyrics were, 
apartment for sale, apartment for sale. <laughs> Your mother's buried deep, and now you're going to keep her apartment for sale. Your sister's in jail. You put your sister in jail. You're all going to hell. Your apartment's for sale. <laughs> I think I was more impressed that the accordion, it looked like that was the, her first instrument. And that's what she, because I saw so many pictures of her with that accordion. <clears throat> so I feel like they're trying to tell us that that's how she started. But can you oh, imagine yeah, this, yeah. this composer and she's r- running around with it? <laughs> I, I I thought that was so funny, but yeah, no, that was a good song. I, I did enjoy that one. <laughs> um, ah man, I don't have a, a, a like a incredible sound system. I have a sound bar with a um with a, what's the bass bass one called? Uh, oh, subwoofer? No, subwoofer. Yeah, subwoofer. Mm-hmm. But even still, it was it was uh the sound on this movie I thought was really, really good, at least through my little setup here. It sounded uh, great. Well, like what? Like the mute? Cause they didn't really play too much music. Uh, I mean, there was times where they played music and then there was like a lot of effects too. I think like with that, um, highlighted her paranoia. Uh, okay. Um, that kind of stood out, uh, quite a bit. I might have missed a couple of those because I, I can't play movies too loud when mm-hmm. I watch them. Um, that's the beauty of being in an apartment. Um, so I, I could have missed that. But um, I I was hoping for more like more uh, more scenes with the orchestra, you know, and then playing and us seeing how she is as a composer. Mm-hmm. Um, I did think she had some pretty funny movements you know and then i was like is this how really composers are like i don't i guess i don't go to enough live uh live shows but i mean it looks like she had tourette's up there you know the way she was those nervous ticks yeah yeah well ultimately for me um i feel like again this movie should be by filmmakers uh Critics and, and, and film lovers as a standard uh, or an exceptional example for how to shed light on an issue or a topic without being overbearing, condescending, allowing the story to speak for itself. Uh, as I said, good good art asks interesting questions and allows the observer to fill in the blanks. Um, so, mm-hmm. and I, I, I wrote a few of the other awesome quotes from the movie just a few there were so many but um again the uh i'm just gonna call him i'm just gonna say his name was bipoc he sounds like a wrestler bipoc um <laughs> she says to him unfortunately the archi- the architect of your soul appears to be social media that was hilarious that was pretty good <laughs> As he's storming she, out. Yeah. Um, and she said something I also found really interesting because, again, the movie really then plays on this idea um, as she becomes paranoid and freaked out about noises. But uh, actually, it was her mentor who said Schopenhauer measures a man's intelligence against his sensitivity to noise, um, which was, again, really interesting. Um, I would definitely watch this again. 
But um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially because I feel like even with all the stuff that I was able to pick up on, it only encourages me to, I feel like there was even more. Like I said, I really feel like every frame, every shot, every angle, like had a purpose to it. And, and, and again, not only telling the the story, the, the narrative and the plot, but in then making this, you know, subtle uh, or asking these, these important questions. Um, it's crazy, too, that um, the director, Todd Field, he this is only the third movie he's directed. Mm hmm. The last one, I think, was called Little Children mm-hmm. 16 years ago. And he freaking was nominated for like every major category in this movie. Yeah. Like, right. That's it. That's insane. <laughs> like, first of all, just to say on your third movie, I mean, I guess Damien Chazelle, like on one of his first, he was nominated uh, for in Whiplash. But. Yeah. To to own then to have them that far that spaced uh, you know that far spaced apart, and to have written it and directed it and then be nominated for like almost every major major um, category, and then he says he might not direct another one. <laughs> hey crazy. man, you go out on top. That's Dude, how you that's do just it. that is just ins ins ridiculously insane. Can I see your ten movie? I see your ten movies. I do three. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, got I, I, three. I, all right. I'm out of here. I'd like to watch. I mean, I might try to watch his previous two at some point. You know, yeah. to see if they're as good as Tar. But um, all right, let's Doubtful. let's put let's put Kevin to the test here and see if he's ready. If you guys don't have anything else, I have some fun facts for you. Oh yeah, I'm ready. While he figures himself out, because he's never ready. Bro, I was laughing when they called her Maestro because it made me think of the uh, Seinfeld episode. <laughs> yeah. Jerry's like, I'm not calling him Maestro. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh. I had like three drops of the come out. That was so loud. Okay. I can't hear anything anymore. I got a few for you. You and probably everyone else listening. Fun fact of one, by the way. But thank you for the intro music, Kevin. Uh, fun fact number one. Uh, also, Kevin, move up closer to the mic now. Again. <laughs> I had to get away from that speaker. It was really yeah. loud. Yeah. Too uh, bad I couldn't. The screams that Lydia hears when jogging in the woods are the audio of Heather Donahue from the climax of the Blair Witch Project, 1999. All right. Oh, wow. The... <laughs> so was there nothing yeah, happening the in the woods? Sorry, I don't mean to go back to the movie, but there was nothing happening in the woods. She was just hearing things, right? Or was there someone I, dying in I, the woods? I don't think there was anything happening in the woods. Mm. It was either in her head, and also something was going on you know, with the neighbor. <laughs> but I think all right. said from all the stuff that she was carrying, yeah. like knowing what she did to, I forgot what her name was now, the one who committed suicide. Krista. 
Krista, yeah, yeah. All that, like, nobody else knew, but she had it in the back of her head. So I think the screaming was just showing that she had all this hidden stuff that she was afraid of. Fair enough, fair enough. Continue, continue. Sorry. Well, and I mean, let's give some love to Francesca, too, because ultimately Francesca is the one that got mm-hmm. the ball rolling. But, yeah. but, but, but before we give her love, she only did it because she got passed up. True. She was fine to ride that train all day long until it came back and bit her. And then she's like, oh, you're a rat. Well, <laughs> it's tough to say that that definitely was the straw that broke the camel's back. But she was very torn up about Krista killing herself. Yeah. So she might have been headed down that road um, eventually. But certainly that, that broke the camel's back. Yeah, I just don't feel it was very yeah. altruistic of her. She was just like, all right, oh. you passed me up. I have all this information on you. You are, you're not letting her off the hook. That's nope. When, that's when people usually become petty. Oh, I didn't get what I wanted. All right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Fun fact number two. Professional cellist Sophie Cower had no prior acting experience and auditioned at the encouragement of a friend. She learned to act by watching YouTube tutorials hosted by Sir Michael Caine. Ah, that's a good one to follow. Mm-hmm. That explains why her IMDb picture is her with a cello. Yeah. Um, scene, scenes of the orchestra playing are completely 100% real, and Kate Blanchett was actually conducting the Dresden Orchestra. I thought you were going to say it was CGI. I was like, whoa. Mm. <laughs> no. Um, the, entire, the entire scene of Lydia teaching students at Juilliard, which again is that scene with uh, the BIPOC, Max. Matt Max. Uh, the whole start, that whole scene was <laughs> shot in one take. Really? Which I didn't pick up on the first time around, but I'd, I'd have to go back and check that Man. out. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't. I, yeah, I, yeah, that's yeah, that's awesome. Um, shoot, happen too often. I don't know the timeline of this, but I I believe it was probably before Tar. But Focus Features told Todd F- Field that they would produce any film that he wanted as long as it was a, between a certain budget under under a certain budget. Uh huh. So he pretty much had a green light, Brad, to make any movie he wanted to. But That's why? Great. I guess was Little guess, Children that great? Or well, yeah, I do remember getting Little Children getting a lot of hype. I never watched it, but I remember getting a lot of hype when around uh, Oscar time. Oh boy! So it's another one of those Oscar bait movies. Fair enough. Hey, if this one was Oscar bait, I took it hook, line, and sinker. Well, the Oscars. <laughs> Too they bad didn't give him anything. Yeah. Oh, only she won. Um, and everything else went to who won? Yeah. No, she won for best actress, but everything else didn't it go to. No, I thought actress. Michelle Ye- Michelle Yeoh won best actress. Oh, she true. Did. She yeah. So this didn't even work for her. No, Tar got blanked. Yeah. But um, yeah, but they... it was... yeah. Hey, man. I'd rather be nominated than not nominated at all. I mean, I, I, it's, it's, it's a tough one. Again, I think because of what they're trying to pull off with Tar and feeling like Kate, really Kate Blanchett 
is probably one of the only actresses that could pull this off. I I feel like to me that gives her a slight edge, but I mean when you when I go back to think about everything everywhere all at once, you know Michelle Yeoh definitely uh, did an exceptional job as well. So it's yeah. a tough one, but but I, yeah, I definitely think Tar was deserving of being nominated for all yeah. those. Uh, next up. Uh, on, so on the flight to Berlin, Lydia opens up a gift that Krista sent her before committing suicide, mm-hmm. which is the novel Challenge by Vita Sackville West. The novel is based on the author's real life romance with Violet Trefusis in the 1900s, who often threatened to kill herself if Sackville West would ever leave her. The novel. Oh, so, so she was foreshadowing what was she about to do? It's a lot of foreshadowing, bro. The novel even starts with a dedication page from the author in Romani, which translates to, This book is yours, my witch. Read it, and you will find your tormented soul changed and free. Sackville West also flipped her gender and often depicted herself as a man. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, and last but not least, so did you guys remember seeing that little symbol all everywhere in the movie? The one that was that was drawn on the book, or no? The one that yeah, it was drawn on the book. Then it was yeah. in Petra's room, like in clay, mm-hmm. and then it was like on the back of the metronome. So, um, it do you know what the symbol was? No. Were you curious? No, because I, I, the only thing I picked up on was it uh, in the book, but I couldn't see what it was, and then she ripped it out. And I even rewinded it going, what was that? Why was that so important? And I, I couldn't tell what I was looking at. So, no, I, I I didn't even think about it. There was a lot more to it. I didn't write it all down because it was kind of long. But yeah. basically, it's a snakeskin. But it's it's used by you – know, you, you remember they spent some time like with some tribe – um, yeah. where she was like learning about a certain type of music, and and both Francesca and and Krista were there with her, so it's a symbol that used in that tribe. I forgot what it represents, but it's a snakeskin or what it means. But it's a snakeskin, and um, I don't know if you remember, she has this dream at one point where she's on a bed in the middle of like a a, a lake. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And in that scene, there's a snake crawling toward her in the water. Mm. So it kind of, yeah, has something to do with, like, her her, her ghosts, you know, yeah. kind of haunting. All right, very interesting. Um, and those are fun facts. Uh, very so, good, very good, sir. Thank you. I, I appreciate uh, that. Now we can uh, move on to the ranking portion of our episode. Um, as a reminder to um, uh, our audience, uh, we do a one to five scale uh, of Little Jerry's with five being uh, a movie we absolutely love and must see recommendation or a one being, uh, you know, obviously the opposite of that. Yeah. So, Ke- 
Kevin, this was your pick. Uh, why don't you start us off? All right. Um, Ms. Blanchett does a great performance. Um, I was not enamored with the story as much as Juan was. I thought it was okay. Um, I feel like I could have used a little bit more from it. They left some stuff unanswered. For me, it's I, I think people should watch it for her performance. I think it's, it's not it's an okay story. I gave it a three. A three. Yeah, don't um, be so, and don't be so right. eager to be offended was the quote I like, by the way, from the movie. What was it? Don't be so eager to be offended. Oh, yeah. That's a really good quote from the movie. <laughs> um, I, while Juan has introduced a very intriguing side of the movie, I can't help the feeling of, uh, of being dumb. And, and this movie made me feel dumb. Um, there was just so much that was said and done that I just didn't know what was happening. And, um, you know, I, I don't like that feeling because I already know I'm a dumb, dumb when it comes to movies. Cause I, I like the boom, boom, boom. And, Pew, 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 pew. Like, I like the action, you know, I like action. And uh, if there's a, a, a good story to go with it, then I'm all in, you know. Um, so I just I, after it ended, I really felt like I had to go take some music classes just so I could rewatch this and, and, and have an understanding of what they were talking about. Um, I, I can't I, I can't see myself ever watching this, even though, again, Juan, you did bring up some interesting points. Um, I I'm, I have no interest in watching this again. With Kate uh, uh, Blanchett's performance, though, I think that's what keeps me uh, from going less than three. Um, do you uh, just curious? Like, do you find Kate uh, Blanchett to be attractive? Oh, a hundred percent. Oh yeah, a hundred percent, huh? You know what? I fell in love with her. Lord oh, of the Rings. definitely. Oh, okay. I thought <laughs> you were gonna say. Wait, I wait. thought it was gonna be Thor. No, 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 Lord of the Rings. Oh. When she got mad and she got like and yelled at Frodo. She's so bro. scary in that. Ear boner. Okay. <laughs> I got the tingling. That was it. Anything she was in, I said, mm, mm-hmm. I would watch. <laughs> wow, that was scary. That 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 I remember when I saw that in theaters, it freaked me out. I was like, it came out of nowhere. <laughs> Yeah, Whoa, I um, went six to twelve. I was like, "Am I supposed to feel this scared? Like, is it, <laughs> was it just me? It was scary." Um, she, uh, one of my favorite roles of her is uh, she's in The Life Aquatic with Steve mm-hmm. Zizou. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, I like her in that a lot. Um, uh, and also as that little monkey in, in Pinocchio. <laughs> I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. Seeing her name, I'm like, he didn't say anything. He just made sounds. Spazatura. Spazatura. Yeah. So that was a one out of five. No three. No oh, three. Three. Three, three, out three. Five, three out of five. Okay. Uh, well, I certainly cannot uh, say everything that I said about this movie um, and give it anything less than a five. So um, yeah, from me. Again, I uh, I have been given out a lot of fives, but um, I've really enjoyed uh, movies like uh, Sound of Metal and uh, uh, other movies that we've done. Uh, quiet all, out here. You get a five. You get a five. You get a five. <laughs> we did all quiet on the Western Front. We've we did. If I counted correctly, we did four out of the ten 
movies that were nominated this year for Best Picture. Maybe five now with Tar. I think five now with Tar. Yeah. Um, I think so. Uh, That's pretty good. But yeah, it's a five out of five for me. Not only did Kate Blanchett knock this out of the ballpark, but uh, I'm a huge Todd Field fan now um, based (laughs) off of this. Too late, brother. He's done. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm sad that I'm never going to get to see him do another film ever again. But um, but I will go back and watch Little Children and um, whatever the other one was. Um, I'll look that in up in the bedroom. So a little a little a little note by the way, Juan. We have done six out of the ten. Oh Tar. oh okay, that's pretty good. Oh, right. yeah. uh, uh, what else? Ah, that's okay. I'll look at. We it. did we did Top Gun, everything, everywhere, all at once. Top Gun. Oh my god! I can't, I, I always forget that I was yeah. nominated. I love how that one best sound and everyone's like, oh, they they uh, they revenge their their last uh, Oscar uh, snub when they were nominated for best sound for Top Gun. The first one I said, wow, I'm glad they came back and got it again. So like, hold my beer. <laughs> it should have been uh, seven. Right, Kevin, because RRR should have been nominated. It should have been over freaking woman talk, women talking or triangle of sadness. You know, I have triangle sadness on my list. Um, you know, watching the Oscars and RR when they did the song Nachu Nachu, that that made my family go, you know what? We might want to watch RR. And I said, I don't know if I have enough time to watch it again, but you should. <laughs> had had no idea you were, you watched the Oscars. Yeah, they they really enjoy it. Um, I don't. I I don't really care who wins what. Um, but yeah, they they made a they made a whole. Um, list and we put $20 and whoever got the most right. Um, so like I, I decided to be cute. I picked like puss, puss in boots to win best animated. I knew it was going to be Pinocchio cause just the sheer amount of work that went into it. But I, I know puss in boots was a better movie. So like I picked that one, there was something else that I picked that was like, obviously it was going through the other. So I ended up losing cause I, I wanted to be cute, but uh, yeah, it's yeah. I ended up watching the Oscars. Yeah, um, I didn't watch them, and I don't really watch them anymore. But I no, was, thinking, but I was thinking again it, of uh, just my love for movies and and why you know we do this podcast and why it's such a fun and thing for me, and I'm so passionate about it, dude. I used to watch it when I was a kid, you know. Yeah, and yeah. Like, I'm like, you know, there. I I was thinking like, how many kids like watch the Oscars, you know? Um, not not too many that I could think of of the ones that I at least went to school with and whatnot. So, yeah, it's pretty yeah, crazy. Uh, I know Kevin yeah. used to watch them too. I used to love them, but none of my kids. It's funny. Them. I'm literally saying I I never watched the Oscars, but I'm thinking about how I saw it last year with the slap. Like I saw that real time. So I, oh, yeah? I guess I, I yeah I think I do end up watching the Oscars every year. I don't mean to. Yeah, uh, I, I'm always with family, and they're just like, "Oh, it's the Oscars are on." Like, oh, well, right. and it was—it wasn't was just—it just, wasn't just Oscars too. Like, I would watch Golden Globes, um, MTV. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Nickelodeon. Not the—I didn't watch Nickelodeons, but I would do. Um, yeah, Golden Globes. Um, every once in a while, maybe oh, like um, Actors Guild. I think they would show that that oh, one that's, too. That's that's deep right there. <laughs> there are 
yeah, tag, something like right? that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's the one. Uh huh. But the, I think that, that there also used to be like a a blockbuster award show. Um, there was a billboard. I don't think there was a blockbuster. Oh, oh man, okay. if blockbuster had a show, I guarantee you they they wouldn't have been out of business. <laughs> yeah, for they sure. Should have had their own awards. <laughs> the most frequently return movie that was never year round. <laughs> People were so disgusted they didn't want to rewind this movie back. Oh, wait. But for for six years, from 1995 to 2001, Blockbuster Entertainment Awards. <laughs> that was a thing. Wow. Yo, well, Juan, you were the only one bro. <laughs> I didn't even know that. That's impressive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Awards. Um, so I got one more quote for you for from the film. It's a short one, and it's a good one to end with. It's hope dies last. <laughs> yeah, that was good too, and that is, that is true. That is true. <laughs> it's it's the hardest to die too. That damn hope. Yep. Um. Hey, before we head out, I do want to thank our sponsor, uh, your name here. So if if you want to sponsor us, <laughs> I was literally like, "Damn, we got a sponsor now!" If you want to sponsor us, that's what it would sound like. Fill in the blank, and uh, I you think know, they we'll, prefer it at the beginning. Well, I'll do it at the beginning too. We'll do it, at do it at beginning, the... middle, and end. And exactly, what? exactly. I will sell your products so hard, <laughs> hard, or your service, or whatever the case may be. Anything hoard. Um, all right, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure. So, just to recap, that was uh, Juan with a five out of five, Kevin with a three out of five, and Mark with a three out of five. Uh, we are out of here. We will be back with another episode very soon. Um, anything you guys want to say? Later, haters. Love you. Bye. Bye.